I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. The novel Americana comes out in the U.S. this month. In England, it's already on the bestseller list. The author is Nigerian writer Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She splits her time between the U.S. and Nigeria, and since she's here in the U.S. now, she stopped by our studio to talk about her new book. It's a classic love story with a global twist. The main characters, Obinze and Ifemelu, meet as kids in Nigeria. They fall in love at first sight. But then hardships in the country split them apart, and they get separated, winding up continents apart, in fact. Ifemelu tries to make a new life in America, but upon returning home to Nigeria years later, she finds that she has become an Americana. I asked Adichie to explain what that means. It's one of those slightly you know, mocking, playful ways of referring to somebody who's been to the U.S. and who suddenly comes back and pretends no longer to understand Igbo or Yoruba and who suddenly has a fake American accent. The book is a story about race and identity. I mean, you said, though, that you've wanted to write about race in America in the past, but you hadn't felt ready until now. Why is that? I had been making all of these observations and making notes because I came to the U.S. and became fascinated by race. It was such a new thing to me. And I wanted to write about it, but it just didn't feel right. I I think I wanted to be ready. Well, you certainly seemed ready because there's a scene kind of right at the beginning of the book in a beauty salon in Trenton, New Jersey. There's a confluence of several layers of race and identity. You've got Ifemelu from Nigeria. There are more recently arrived Africans from Guinea and other parts of uh, French-speaking West Africa. There are black Americans from time to time. I assume that's not a coincidence in your storytelling. What what does that salon represent? Well, first of all, I'm very much interested in hair. But I wanted to write about race, which I'm interested in, by which I mean I should clarify skin color, because that's what's new to me. Coming to the U.S. for me was to discover not only that I was black, but the different ways of being black. And so in the hair salon, I wanted to just explore the idea of Africa. There's a connection between Ifemelo and the Senegalese and then the woman from Mali, but also this discord. You know, I wanted to just <laughs> explore that stew of, <laughs> of layers. D- does that kind of dissonance also exist in Nigeria between Igbo and Yoruba people? I mean, do they see layers of blackness that... We we might not here in the U.S. Race is so immediate and is about how you look. But ethnicity is more subtle. You can't necessarily tell who's Yoruba or Igbo by looking at them. There are kind of issues of class that suddenly come into it as well. Yeah, of course. Class complicates everything. I mean, class complicates even race. You know, class complicates ethnicity as well in Nigeria. So I've often joked about how in Nigeria, the sort of the Nigerian oligarchy class, mm. <laughs> it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. What matters, you know, we all sort of go to, I don't know, Switzerland together, whatever. <laughs> but then you go down um, economically and you have these communities in which people are fighting one another and because ostensibly it's supposed to be about ethnicity. So it's, it's interesting. I think class complicates all of that. I don't want to turn this into a dark and somber interview, but I'm really curious to hear your take on what's happening with Boko Haram because it's n- not really in the mental orbit of the characters in the book. Uh, you're right. I suppose it's not in the mental orbit. And I think even that is telling because Boko Haram until very recently was not in the mental orbit of many people in southern Nigeria. Boko Haram, I think most of us saw as this craziness going on in the north, which would somehow peter out, and it hasn't. I feel a sense of um, of helpless rage and sadness about what's happening. And I'm also really unhappy about what the Nigerian government is doing. I don't know what the answer is. I wish I did. So let me shift gears. You grew up in a middle-class family. You were, as we say in the USA faculty brat. Your father was a professor, your mother a registrar at the university in Nsuka, Nigeria. 
Uh, you came to America. You even had a fellowship at Princeton, just like Ifemalu. Your book's a work of fiction, but how much of your own experience influenced the events in uh, Ifemalu's life? I've used bits of myself, obviously, but my life isn't as interesting. <laughs> no, I can't no, believe really. that. And I find Ifemalu just much more interesting than I find myself, quite frankly. And... Are you writing in experiences to Ifemalu's life that you wish you yourself had gone through? Some, mm. yes. It's very clever because that's a lot of my writing often is about what I long for. Right. Also, I wanted to write a, a female character who's not necessarily easy to fall in love with. She's prickly, she's complex, and I love female characters who are like that. So Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Princeton, you've been steeped in Western culture. What do Nigerians who haven't had those experiences think of you? When I go back to my hometown, I'm the person who wants to speak only Igbo. And the people in my ancestral hometown want to speak English. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a source of tension right there. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes they're disappointed. They say to me, wait, you've just come back from America and and you want to speak Igbo and why? So are you mindful of how Nigerians perceive you and are you worried that they'll see you as Americanized and not as Nigerian as they are? I don't really think I'm I'm Americanized. I mean, I like America. America seeped itself under my skin in small Mm. ways. Small things such as my friends telling me, stop asking for steamed vegetables in restaurants. Nobody does steamed vegetables in Nigeria. <laughs> right. Well, there's this moment where Ifemalu is like wondering where the vegetarian restaurant is and kind of feeling guilty that she's even thinking that. Yes, because, you know, Nigerians, vegetarian, no, we don't do that. Meat is essential. <laughs> Let me ask you about language. It's another theme in the book that comes up many times. There's one point where Ifemalu, who's just arrived in the U.S., is reprimanded by her cousin, Auntie Uju for speaking Igbo with uh, her son Dike. Two languages will confuse him, she says to Ifemalu. Um, and, and that just struck me as a phrase that you often hear from immigrants to the U.S. And it's sad. I think it's very sad. I grew up very easily bilingual. And it's, and it's something I feel very passionate about. So I think a lot of my work, I find a way to throw it in, which is my way of saying, let's keep our languages. Let's keep them flourishing, especially Igbo, which is my language. And I love it. And it's, it's dying. Mm. It's dying out. Middle-class families everywhere are not teaching their children how to speak Igbo. So it's just English. And in some ways, I understand that immigrant anxiety. You want your child to succeed. So if it means pretending that this child doesn't have another culture, well, let's do that. Mm. But then, of course, what's interesting is that the same parents are quite happy to have the children learn French. Mm. So, Chimamanda, we began by speaking about uh, the meaning of the name Americana. What does your own name mean, Chimamanda? My name literally means, my God will not fall down, Chim Amanda. In Igbo cosmology, the Chi is sort of, it's, it's kind of like an individual God. Each person has an individual guiding spirit, which is the Chi. So to say that my own Chi will never fall down, it's, you know, it's rather a nice name to carry around in the world. <laughs> Finally, I don't want to let you go without asking you about the loss of the great writer Chinua Achebe. What are your own memories of him, and how much did he play a role in your being a writer? His work played a big, big role in my being not a writer, but the writer that I am. And until I read Chino Achebe, I thought the books were not really about my experience. And then I read Arrow of God, which remains one of my favorite novels. And suddenly I just felt that my reality, my experience was worthy of literature. And I actually met him only three times. I thought he was just a lovely man, a man of great integrity, uh, not only a good writer, but a good human being. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's latest novel is called Americana. It comes out this month. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. By the way, the late Nigerian writer Chinua Achebe, who died in March here in Boston, was finally laid to rest today in his hometown in the eastern part of Nigeria. 
You can hear Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie describing her relationship with Achebe. That's at theworld.org. And that's all from us today. From the Nan and Bill Harris Studios at WGBH in Boston, I'm Marco Werman. Thanks for listening.